1: Okay. Hi, everyone. This is the Curious Matter After Show. I'm Alison Hayslip. With me is my co-pilot, Alyssa DeVries, and we are going to be your hosts as we take a deeper dive into this season's episodes. We're going to go behind the scenes. We're going to learn a little bit more about these stories and their authors. And of course, we're going to geek out on our collection of love of all things sci-fi and horror. That's why we are here. Uh, so tonight's show is going to be live on Twitch every other week. So all of you out there in podcast land, please come join us, ask us questions. You get to interact with the team and you know, who knows, maybe you win a prize or two. I don't even know what that means. So that's very exciting. <laughs> so tonight on the show, we have the unbelievably talented, do you see what I did there? Star of the uncanny, Eddie Cobalt, Kelly Don Hancock. Thanks for joining us. Um, and in the number two seat is CMA's creator, writer, producer, all the hats, multi hyphened Jonathan Peza. Hello. Hello, welcome. You too. That was a hi everyone. Fascinating. Hello. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's um, let's start off right at the beginning. I mean, for those who know the original story, clearly, Jonathan, you chose to make some um, pretty significant, but also still kind of right in line changes uh you know the biggest one being it's no longer Edwin it's Eddie our main character is female why did you decide to go that route
2: um I just thought you know the original story was written um in the 40s and it was kind of a (laughs) New York uh suit bro and I just thought it needed to be updated and um I, I thought the idea of creating this character and and just presenting it as a normative everyday thing that it is now and not making a big deal about it, but just putting the character in the now in a way that we all recognize um, was important to kind of make it work.
1: Right. And so Kelly, did you read the original story to prep for this or did you think because of the, the changes that Jonathan made, did you want to just go on your own with it? I did not
3: read the original um I don't like to have any type of um barometer of where I think the performance should go Mm -hmm. or um uh because it was very clear to me what was going on in the script like if I was a little more confused I would have gone more back to the source material to see what it was supposed to be but it was pretty clear and um Jonathan did me this like insane favor of writing Eddie in my voice. <laughs> so there wasn't a big stretch for me. Uh, I'm very much with the profanities and the delivery and the <laughs> lines. So.
1: Yeah. I like the, uh, the warning this podcast had at the beginning. It yeah. was like, uh, this is like rated R or like movie type. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, we definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I also liked right at the beginning how Jonathan you 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 gave this uh, message about how you decided to set it in the post pandemic COVID world.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Why did you decide to do that? I mean, I I personally feel like it worked so well, but I feel it like there's awesome. a lot of me. Yeah, there's a lot of mediums that like tried to take on the pandemic while we were like really in the thick of it, and it became one of those like I cannot watch or listen to another thing in this world about you know we all went through it but this really like I feel like it tuned right into what we had all been feeling for these last two years so why did you decide to that that feels like a risky move to make and I'm I paid off uh, I think
2: because you know I felt like we all have this collective experience that is a unique thing in our lifetime And sci-fi has always been such a great tool for looking at something that we're all psychologically experiencing and then trying to like twist it in a new way or dissect it and play with it. And, um, I just thought, you know, we've lived in such a fear-based society for, for two years and it's created this kind of schism where people just cease to believe in things Mm. that are everyday acknowledged things. And, I thought, well, this power is about doubt in the original story. What would a person right now who was inclined to over-doubt look like in this? And how would that affect their day-to-day life? And then what would happen? Is it, is it fantasy fulfillment to get this power? Is it a burden? Is it, if, if, if your doubt actually gave you the ability to rewrite the things around you, is that a good thing? And that's really the big question. Um, like, do we want to allow doubt to control
1: us? Right. I mean, it's it's that standard, you get a superpower with great power comes great responsibility. It actually reminded me a lot while we were listening to it, it felt like uh, Michael Crichton's sphere, but the opposite side of the coin, mm. you know, and that one, it was mm. like this alien, being technology spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't wa- read it read it don't watch the movie the book's way better um but you you all of a sudden just get to will things into existence and this was like the opposite you could will things out of existence mm-hmm. yeah did did you jonathan were you familiar at all with sphere did that play into this I, at all no
2: i wasn't i've read i've read quite a bit of Crichton, but i have not read sphere oh, I, highly I, recommend. I saw saw the movie years ago but I. i'm sorry don't. No, <laughs> I, love, I will
1: read it. I love writing. <laughs> Definitely read it. Uh, so Kelly, you know you do a lot of on-screen acting as well. How mm-hmm. is podcast acting different? Because I mean, clearly you're you're doing so much more than you don't you don't have the ability of showing your face. <laughs> so how yeah. how did this transpire? And have have you done a lot of this?
3: I haven't done a lot of this actually. This is maybe my third one I've done possibly um I I really liked it um I'm a mover I have restless legs syndrome. I mean I've got whatever it takes I move I talk with my hands I do all of those things and so when you're recording for a podcast when you're recording for voiceover right you get to actually do that as opposed to when you're on camera everything's like right here so you have to be so still that it just has to be conveyed through my face, through my voice. And um, I was able to actually get to be a little more animated. Um, And I started from the stage where most of us started back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the stage is more animated. So I feel like this is kind of a beautiful merger of the two worlds that I used to have were the stage and then the screen and it, you know, it, it it really helped a lot.
1: Yeah. Did you have a favorite part of this episode to perform? Um, to perform
3: the list of all the things that Eddie erases. I love, I think my favorite line in the entire episode is hipsters. (laughs) I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, (laughs) I think that's my absolute favorite episode. But once Jonathan um, mixed it and he sent me a, a preview, I think my favorite moment, and I told her this and it gave me chills, is how he created um, when she said I went home because I knew what was about to happen. Mm. And I thought that it was just so eerie and how it was mixed and what it said and her he was giving me this very strange direction when we were recording. <laughs> and he was like, This is a darny darko moment. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But I'm gonna do- You're like, update your references, but- <laughs> I was like, I'm oh gonna do gosh. the best that I can do. You said go dark, but all right. And I didn't know what he meant. And then when he mixed, I was like, oh right. Got it. That part and gave it- me goosebumps. So yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think my favorite part in the whole episode is when i say i went home because you can tell like at that moment her life's about to just go completely off the rails right
1: that's really interesting i i feel that way about um doing mocap as well because Mm -hmm. you have no you have no anything and like, it's dependent entirely on your imagination. And then when you get to see the final product, you're like, oh, that's what they were picturing. That's what this is going to look like. So Jonathan, let's talk about that, like with the music and all the sound direction. I mean, that is the, that is the trickiest thing about scripted podcasts is how do you create these worlds in a purely audio format? So do you, I mean, weirdly visualize, even though it's all audio, do you visualize it all first and then go from there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I understand like the layouts of every space that I'm trying to create in audio and like, and we actually, since the end of last season, since Karnacki in last season, we've been using 3d emulated um, like spatial reverb, So basically they walk wow. through physically, they walk through space that's 3D rendered mm-hmm. in sound. And um, so there's a whole second step. You mix it all, you pre-mix everything. And then you actually have to create performable characters ultimately. And the sound effects will be a character and the, the the people will be a character. And they walk around and they do all kinds of stuff. And I can actually physically see that as I'm moving things around so that I can create like things behind you and things that are very, um, very recognizably in your stereo space, um, because we're binaural, we're not stereo. So it, it, the way that we mix takes into account the fact that our ears point forward slightly, and we can actually understand when something's behind us, or when something's above us. And those tiny little things are all actually played into mm. the way we mix. Sometimes you don't even notice it. But it, it, it's the difference between something feeling real and something feeling theatrical. Right. And And, you know, it's a constant process of trying to get it right. Like, I mean, I'm sure I heard like 20 things in this mix. I'm like, God, darn it. But you're always trying to just create a cinematic experience where the audience closes their eyes and is there and they don't need to be told what's around them by saying, look, painting wall, like (laughs) you you can create other ways to trigger the mind's eye. And so that's been the biggest challenge is just continuously trying to get better at that.
1: I truly never conceptualized the fact that we can like, of course we can sense mm-hmm. sound behind us and above. Mm-hmm. It's not just left, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It just never occurred to me until I have also never thought of
0: that. <laughs> um, I just want to share that people in the chat are sharing what they would wish out of existence. Somebody Ooh, said oh. Trump, yes, please. somebody said fascism. I think that's awesome. Keep sending those in the chat. And if you have any questions for Jonathan or Kelly, send them and I'll pass them along yeah
1: let's talk about that how did how did you choose which of the modern day things to uh to w- wish to doubt out of existence I mean the 9-11 one I was like <laughs> when deep's like is that a band I was like oh wow it's it's right. you know if- it's such a phrase that we we attach so much weight and history and memory to and then to hear it be like yeah what would it be if that had never happened what would we think of that
2: Yeah. I mean, I consider that the inflection point for kind of our world today. So I, that was Mm -hmm. like a big thing to say, all right, if that was gone, what are the ripple effects of that? And you know, you can only explore so much, but it was all, it wasn't just about picking big giant things, but like everyday things, like the things that we hate, the things that we, that annoy us, but the, the things that we actually doubt around us and like thing and nonsensical things, because we don't think in we, we don't control our thoughts. Our thoughts go places. And like in, in, when you're drunk, they do different things than they do when you're sober. And and mm-hmm. and so the idea that controlling doubt and what doubt does. So like my favorite thing that she erases is waitresses. I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I just love that the therapist has been like, and I'm sorry, what's a waitress? I was that I was like <laughs> hilarious. So goofy. <laughs> So it's, I guess indeed did a great job. Yeah. So Jonathan, what is your issue with waitresses? Why was
2: <laughs> I I personally, I, uh, I'm i a fan of waitresses. I hope they don't get erased out yeah. of existence. Ordering and then it, was, uh...
1: it was very clever that later on, it's like, oh yeah, of course we have to order at the counter. How else would you order food? Because <laughs> there's mm-hmm. just no concept of like someone coming to your table anymore.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, well, we were like referencing a lot of like those kind of, those kind of movies too, where. You know, if you change something, it's kind of a time travel movie. If you think about it, when you change something, you have to pay that forward and you have to think about like that ripple effect. And that's going to play really big in the next episode, in the in the conclusion of, of Eddie Cobalt. Like, how do these ripples change
1: everything? Right. So, Kelly, back to you. I mean, it's clearly, this is clearly taking place in such a like fantastical world, or someone mm-hmm. does have this weird superpower or magical capability. But Eddie is so cynical. <laughs> and so how how do you keep this character so grounded in a world where these completely ridiculous things are happening?
3: Um again, it was very easy for me because he wrote in my voice. <laughs> so that was um very um most of the time, I feel like there was maybe one or two times that I kind of struggled with trying to connect to a moment or something that was happening um, within the situation. But for me, um, I'm really weird in an actor as a sense, like I'm definitely would not have done well in old Hollywood days of method. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not that person. I'm a person where it's like, I just want to get in. I'm natural. I, if I know who this character is, then i can take that character along whatever journey that character needs to go i don't need to get immersed in you know be in a be in a freaking jungle for whatever because i've gone camping and you know and i got lost in the woods you know i'm i'm real big on just transference and keeping it um just w- what is the next step like i generally take the journey with my character so whatever my character is experiencing at that moment i'm experiencing it um for a podcast that's perfect because we recorded it in order <laughs> you know ah. when you're on set and you're shooting a movie that's a little problematic but you know i'll cross that bridge when i come to it at this time it was super easy for me
1: now did that. you record did you record solo or were you able to record with with uh, your co your co-actors. I recorded solo. Um,
3: Jonathan wow. read all the other lines. Wow. So I recorded solo. I didn't know what anyone sounded like. Um, especially uh, you know, episode two, the relationship between Eddie and Simon gets uh stronger. So it would have been nice to hear what he sounded like. <laughs> um it's uh I didn't know what the psychologist sounded <laughs> like. I didn't know right. any of it. You know, so was just, that
1: a trip the first time you heard it? It was a complete and
3: utter trip. I didn't know what my wife sounded like. Um, I didn't know that the waitress had that real thick, um, like Southern New York accent. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> um, you know, I didn't know any of that. And so it was really it, it, first time me hearing it was the same. I was just like, whoa.
1: Hey. Oh. Okay. Let, let let's talk about the addition of the therapist because that's that's not from the original. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, why did you choose to add this character?
2: Um, two reasons. I think like uh in audio, you you tend to have to find a unique tool to give information to your audience. And I hate over just pointing things out and, and saying things that you wouldn't say naturally. So I'm always like looking for characters or ways in these stories to insert something natural that gives you the ability to explore the information of the story without feeling like you're telegraphing or everything to the audience and just like oh here's this and here's this and 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 I also thought um it was important to understand that Eddie is dealing with the challenges of mental health and that is such a central part of of our story, and who is better to be the the sounding board through everything than the therapist? And so I thought that that was that was the mirror image that you wanted to have to be able to kind of work from for Eddie.
1: Right. It felt like the the therapy sessions acted as the uh, what would have been like the narrator. Mm -hmm. yeah but as opposed to it being this like omnipresent i'm gonna talk you through my life you actually had this other character and and kelly you've kind of commented on this a few times because it's written in your voice it was like the narration ended up feeling very conversational and not Mm -hmm. like pointing a finger at it like you've been like you said jonathan
2: yeah you just it's and and Sandeep always does such a great job at bringing humanity to everything. And that character is kind of tough because it's so clinical and kind of cold. Uh, he's so cold. And, um, but it's also important that these characters don't just, aren't just dropped in or these things aren't just dropped in that they have a, a very important connection to the plot and to the story. And so that becomes a very big part of the next episode too. Nice.
0: I have amazing news. We have a question from the chat.
1: Woo. Nice. Uh, Let's hear it.
0: <laughs> okay. Tall VM wants to know, what does SFM1B stand for? Or is it just a random combo of numbers and letters? They
2: are not random. There's lots of Easter eggs in Curious Matter. And that was a that's a great one. All of the forms that she fills out are Star Wars fighter plane oh, identification so- oh, numbers. Oh That's so cool.
1: <laughs> <That's so fun. laughs>
2: Fighters—they're all—they're all—they're all star fighters. So the the T sixty five B is the X wing.
3: Um,
2: yeah, there's. Gosh.
3: That's pretty awesome. Tomorrow, Star Wars Day. Oh my gosh, it you're is. right! It's before right. tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> Nicely done, John.
1: So Thank it. you. No. Oh man. Timing. Mm -hmm. that's awesome so uh we you've been hinting a bit about part two which comes out in two
2: weeks two weeks yeah we release every other week
1: great uh so what made you decide to end part one with the disappearance of Susan
2: because that's the point everything changes
1: oh yeah I mean I truly when I was listening to it I was thinking the building disappearing was like you know, cause it was the first time that so many people were, you know, they were saying like thousands of people were just milling about being very confused. I was like, oh, that to me feels like a significant thing. And then Kelly, when you're saying I went home, I was like, oh no, yeah. oh no, what's going to happen. Oh, what are yeah.
2: the more impactful things <laughs> right. in our lives? Right. Like we are so desensitized to the big thing and then the small thing happens and that's what mm-hmm. floors
3: us. Right. right. Yeah. I don't think very anyone. Yeah. I don't think when she said, I went home, you knew something was going down. Like right. nothing, nothing good's about to happen. Like Susan's not going to be like, it's okay, baby. Come here and let me
1: hope. Like that was not
3: about to unfold.
1: Yeah. So how did you decide how to tackle um, the COVID references? And then also stuff with like, uh, like the chat rooms and the conspiracy theories. Cause that is stuff that, you know, these days can be touchy. It seems like, you know, are, are you, are, are you trying to have the conversation about this stuff? It seems like you were like welcoming and commenting on it.
2: Well, I'm, I think that it's, it's funny that it's, that it's fantasy fulfillment for us right now. Like if you, Mm, it's very, if you look at the people who are very into that with a sense of humility and a little bit of sense of grace and you think about like how does a person believe in some of the things that they believe in nowadays and you take a character who's not the person you expect to be that but they're just as susceptible to allowing those things to overpower them as anyone as anyone else and so it wasn't like a commentary about it as much as saying i was just trying to like pinpoint all the cultural things that are in the constellation of now for us. And like all the things that like I obsess about in those hours before you go to sleep, right? That like, that time when your brain just like goes to those places, the free association time. And um, and all of those things just kind of came together to be the world of this.
1: Right, I mean, you even, you know, t- discussing at the beginning, you're like, p- potentially being on the cusp of World War Three. The fact that that made that references kind of that made it in this episode, is incredibly timely, clearly. But Mm. I also was like, how long did you, it doesn't feel like you recorded this all that long ago.
2: But the draft is your turnaround
1: time on this.
2: Well, we, about three weeks, once we're finished recording, um, I'm constantly recording with people for different episodes. Everybody's Mm -hmm. recorded individually, um, some in studio, some remote. And um, yeah, it t- takes about three weeks to put an episode together.
1: Were you updating things as you were writing, depending on what was happening in the news? Or did you no, just it's... happen to kind of nail wow. it?
2: I think Kelly can say that she read the first draft of this almost a year ago.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so,
2: because I took a long time between seasons because of just work and things. Right. And, um, and this got written almost immediately after we had our finale live stream here on on F and Funny, where we where Kelly expressed to me that you know she wanted to be a leading leading character, and I and I, I did and not
3: I, do that. That's not how it <laughs>
0: You're like I well, want my role no, and I want she, it now, no. and it
1: better be the uh, premiere.
2: Well, she's no, she said that 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 it was something she 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 was aspiring to in this and that and 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 I thought about that and I said, wow, why didn't I do that in season one? I just, I couldn't, I had just not even thought about the fact that I didn't do it because I was just granularly putting people that I knew in spots that I thought were fitting.
3: What I said was, (laughs) (laughs) okay, go back and roll the tape. We can roll the tape. Is he, uh, uh, I was in the military in like everything. And then I was a cop. And people were like, oh, was this really one of your, you know, was this a stretch for you? And I said, I always play cops. That's what happens. Okay. I always play a cops or military or anything. So that wasn't a stretch for me at all. It'd be great to play something a little different.
1: You're like, let me play um, an insurance adjust- yeah, adjuster. Yeah, that's, like,
3: that's my dream. Yeah, <laughs> let, me, let me stretch these chops and be an insurance adjuster. <laughs> and um, And he was like, challenge accepted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, I,
3: and I said, I, I'm not, I'm not like saying I will never do another one unless you write something. I just mentioned
2: <laughs> No, I the, didn't asked the
3: question and I was like, I always play cops, So no, it wasn't hard for me. And then, right. so that's what happened.
1: So since you, you both were a part of season one, how has season two, how is season two growing and changing and, you know, moving forward from season one?
3: I'm gonna let you take that. Okay.
2: Pre-entorn. Uh, Pre-entorn. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I should answer that one. Um, yeah. I think it's just it's just a continuation of the same process of trying to figure out what stories exist out there in the sci-fi and supernatural horror universe that I think can speak to today, and um, and just trying to 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 present them in a way where. You can imagine these as a big budget movie you know you can imagine these as um as a as you know an a list uh tv show you just want them to feel um as real and as engaging as that and so that's the goal so
1: right and especially like these days as much as i love the marvel movies and all these superhero movies that come out it's like we're we're inundated with them now and we don't get I mean, it's, it's so telling that, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once is crushing it at the box office now, because it is this sci-fi fantastical movie that isn't set in the superhero realms. And people are like, Mm -hmm. oh, finally something fresh and exciting. And it's still in the the same genre. And I feel like these stories that you're finding, Jonathan, are like proof that there's still really unique, cool sci-fi stories out there that can be told that don't have to have spider-man in them yeah well it's like (laughs) no offense to tom holland (laughs) no i mean it's
2: it's it's true but like if you think about the movies that made us not the show but just the concept of the movies that made us and like you think about back to the future and aliens and um and et and just just that 15 to 20 year span of filmmaking um you know it's easy to obsess about like george lucas and george lucas's story writing and everyone tries to understand like what was it that he was borrowing from to tell Star Wars? And the thing that I think they're not, the question they're not asking is, is what were the, what were, what was the media landscape for them as a kid? Like, what were the things that they were reading under the covers with the flashlight, the Spielbergian scene, right? Like, what was that thing over and over and over again? And the truth was, in the most cases, sure, it was comic books, but it was also pulp. It was ace books. It was uh the variable man by by philip k dick it was these stories that have largely been forgotten about and um and when you read them you can't help but feel that the next step to their evolution is the thing that the filmmakers were doing in in the 80s and 90s and so the idea is instead of trying to replicate those things and constantly try to regurgitate the same stories over and over again let's figure out what were the influences that created that landscape in the first place? And then we tell those stories from our perspective now, utilizing that source material. So
1: right. And again, understanding that all stories can be universal. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alyssa, do we have any more questions from the chat? Uh, we do not have
0: any more questions, but everybody is engaging with the conversations. Uh, Dman man 1198 says, I think many are hitting the point of superhero movie burnout. Um, and... Uh, Critter Nation is saying, "I can't disagree more. Give me all the fun heroes till I die." I
1: mean, listen, I, think I'm, sure. I will it's go see both. every superhero yeah. movie as oh, it comes absolutely. out. I'm just saying, like, it's so nice to get something else as well. Totally, right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: something different. Yeah, but still so relatable.
1: I will be at Doctor Strange opening night. Let's let's not lie to ourselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, they take my money all the oh, time. Oh yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, just to, to wrap things up, Jonathan Kelly, is there anything you can give us as a little taste of what's going to happen in part two yes. with Eddie?
3: Um, Eddie, if it starts with Eddie and her wife disappearing, I'm um, like I said, the relationship between Eddie and Simon will get stronger and deeper. Oh, That's going to be like fun. That That's fun. Um <laughs> And... um we might learn a little bit more about this power
1: that she has now. Nice. Awesome. That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan and Kelly, thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. Congratulations on your premiere.
4: Thank Thank you. you. Uh,
1: For everyone watching, please make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook under the handle at CM Anthology. That's M as in mom. I realize I kind of said it like an N. It's an M. All right. Uh, Or you can check them out online at www.curiousmatterpodcast.com. Curious Matter Anthology picks up next episode with the epic conclusion of the uncanny Eddie Cobalt, which lands on May 17th. And we, of course, are going to be back that night at 6.30 p.m. uh, Pacific time live on twitch.tv slash EvanFunny for the next after show. Our technical director tonight is Death Queen Vex. The Curious Matter After Show is presented by F and Funny and the Knightsville Workshop and distributed by <laughs> Realm Media. So until next time, I am Allison Hayslip. This is Alyssa DeVries and we've been your hosts. It's been a pleasure. Have
0: a good night, day, morning, whatever it is. And of course, <laughs> thank you for listening. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish.
4: Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears! Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a podcast which combines the art and beauty of classic literature with the fun of Dungeons & Dragons roleplay. These episodes are led by me, Kate, your Master Teacher, which is Dungeon Master meets High School English Teacher. We take on quests in these fascinating worlds, meeting and adventuring with the greatest literary characters of all time. Solving puzzles set up by the dubious Dr. Frankenstein. One eye is over
2: there head. and the other eye is rolled over exactly there. Exactly right.
4: Hunting Moby Dick alongside Captain Ahab. <laughs> I've rolled a one. Are oh, you so, rolled a so. one! Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a faithful yet irreverent way to interact with the stories which have influenced us for centuries. Plus, it's a much more exciting way to experience literature than writing an essay. Essays don't have swords which burst into flame, or poop monsters hiding in toilets. Anybody got some poop for me? A new episode of Of Mice and Men and Monsters is released every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts.